Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Frog is a rooster. He's named Frog because when he was born and first started getting around, he couldn't walk. He would, he would kind of hop like one of those wind-up toys. Today, he walks everywhere, but the name stuck. The world first took notice of Frog back in 2018 when his human family began posting videos of him running down the dirt drive from his rural home to meet the school bus each day when it dropped off Savannah, Frog's human sister, just like he knew it would. Roosters are sharp at time, if nothing else. Take a look. That video has been viewed over seven million times. Frog has gone uh, what you call viral. Today, Savannah has grown up and drives to school, but the families continue to post videos. Uh, frog following them around in the store as they do their shopping. No leash, no rooster diaper. Frog enjoying things I notice. <laughs> frog enjoying a ride in the car. Uh, frog on a pool float. Frog also has his own channel on YouTube, and he has a presence on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook with thousands of subscribers. He's also raised a lot of money for his small town through the sale of uh, backpacks, cups, and uh, t-shirts. Oh, and he's also appeared on The Ellen Show and The Today Show as well. You know, animal videos have always been a big hit with 2.3 billion views each month. We love warm and fuzzy and evidently feathery. Of course, when you get as many views as Frog continues to have, you don't have to sell t-shirts anymore. You sell ad space, and it's a big business. Now, Frog, we're actually uh, the human he seems to think he is, he might be called an influencer. There are lots of people who are online famous for their unique skills, their opinions, their advice, their looks maybe, or maybe nothing much at all, but for some reason, people still watch. Viewers can sign up to follow them, and they don't have to worry about uh, missing a single event then in their life. But when we talk about an influencer, we're usually talking about a person so popular online, for whatever reason it might be, that when they mention a product is worth trying, people try it. And sometimes they try it in droves. You could argue that the Kardashian daughters were, uh, started out anyway as influencers became, before they became you know, multi-million dollar enterprises themselves creating their own products. I suppose they would still be considered that way. Influences have become powerful, powerful marketing tools. Now, Jesus sends out 72 of his followers this morning, which you might call first century influencers. They're going to act as a sort of miracle working advance team to get people talking about him, 
creating buzz in towns and villages that he'll be passing through on his way to Jerusalem. This will be his last major journey to that city. Not only will there be a crowd waiting when he gets there, but there'll be a cross. Earlier, he'd sent out his 12 disciples to proclaim the kingdom of God, which much the same, with much the same instructions as he gives to the 72 he launches this morning. He sends them out in pairs to each town and village on his itinerary. It was really his last effort to, to rouse the nation of Israel to its destiny. Jesus knew the potential that was just waiting there to be unleashed. He also knew that he had just a tiny army to do it with, and so he tells them to pray for reinforcements. These days, maybe he just have made a video so clever that they, it couldn't help but go viral, um, like this one. Looks like the next one is finally here. Six Flags is getting ready for its biggest year ever. There's a new level of excitement throughout the park, and you'll feel it everywhere you go. We are 100% committed to making your day here great. Playtime is back and it's better than ever. Come out and spin, smile, and laugh your way into a new season. Six Flags, it's playtime. Now, the original uh, commercial in that series came out in 2004, hence the poor video quality, um, 18 years ago now. Uh, and it put Six Flags and Mr. Six, as he became known, in front of a country that was suffering from, get this, a struggling economy and high gas prices. And many of you still remember it. In its own way, it went viral. It made you smile, and it made you happy. Maybe we should bring him back. Do you ever stop to think that Christianity was always meant to go viral? I think it's the first original viral networking effort ever. And boy, has it worked. Jesus started with just 12 disciples and the, the best news ever about the coming of God's kingdom. And then he sent out the 72, not to sing and dance, but to preach and teach and heal. And it worked. There are over two billion of us celebrating and living in God's grace by his free gift of faith in Jesus Christ. So if that's the case, and it is, why do we hear so much about churches shrinking and struggling these days? Well, I think it's easy. We've lost the vision. You know, we've lost the excitement. Our priorities list is all upside down. Not all Christians, but a lot of us. It's why a new church plan is liable to literally explode right down the street from a 75 or 100 year old congregation filled with empty pews. You know, some people are also of the opinion that the uncomfortable pews may be part of the problem. But mostly it's because people involved in the plant are so excited about the possibilities, the probabilities is maybe a better word, um, waiting just beyond their doors that they do church 24 seven. They go to church each week and even in between. They live and breathe their faith. They know that only God can change a heart and bring someone to faith, but they also realize that he's liable to do it through them and that contagious excitement they bring with them everywhere they go. They rarely have a conversation that doesn't include an invitation to join them in worship. They tell everyone they can, at least if they can get them to sit long enough, 
why Jesus is important to them. And, and, and that excitement, that level, that becomes uh, contagious. They're excited about their church, their, their faith. Their, their faith goes viral, and it draws people like a magnet draws iron. People's lives are touched in ways that they may never have been touched before and changed. And that's how Jesus expects his kingdom to work. It should multiply exponentially. Let's look at some of the key elements in today's story. Now, there's strategy involved here. Remember, John the Baptist had preceded Jesus and pointed uh, to his coming and the kingdom that he was going to bring. Now, this morning, our Lord is asking this batch of followers to do exactly the same thing. He sends them out to places where he intends to go. Their job was to introduce people to a whole new way of thinking about God. Not as a judgmental, uh, vengeful God who loved the idea of hurling lightning bolts into their lives, but one who wanted wandering people to have a way to return to him, to get them excited about what Jesus doing, was doing, what, to get them excited about what he was teaching. And their message was a lot more than just a song and dance. And maybe because he didn't have the ability to produce clever viral videos like we do today, he didn't send them quite empty-handed. He gave them what they need to get that culture's attention. He gave them the power to heal the sick and drive out demons. These were badges of identification and authenticity in the sense of who had sent them. And he gave them his message that the kingdom of God was near, the kingdom they'd waited so long for, and that they better pay attention before it was too late. Those 72 had been infected with a message of God's righteous judgment and also God's love. His vision of what life could have been like for them, or should be like, and would be like in the kingdom of heaven. And we're the end result of their efforts almost 2,000 years later. I'd like to think we'd make most of them proud of most of the time because, well, we'll probably meet them someday in heaven. Could Jesus have told everyone himself? I suppose he could have found a way. He was as much God as he was man, but it wouldn't have been successful in the same ways. See, these 72 were to go out into the countryside, into the towns and villages without any outward support to sustain them. No money, no suitcases filled with clean clothes, no hair dryer, no uh, extra pairs of sandals, uh, not even food. It was a kind of a two-pronged strategy. First, it was intended and designed to, to teach them dependence on God alone. And second, their plight couldn't help but get people's attention long enough to hear their story. It made them different, just like you and I are called to be different, to be set apart. You know, the Old Testament is filled with reminders uh, from God to his ancient leaders that his people are supposed to be set apart. They're supposed to live differently. They're supposed to act differently. They were limited in what they, how they could interact with the pagan nations around them. They were forbidden to intermarry with them. They were forbidden to worship other gods or even more than the one true God set apart. These were the people on whose shoulders the future of the Christian church would soon rest. People would see them as leaders, and, and to lead, they first needed to learn to trust God. They needed to learn how to step out in faith, and that's exactly what they were doing, literally. They needed a buy-in, because people tend to value things that cost them something. Uh, not long before this, Jesus had fed the 5,000 with a small boy's lunch. Uh, producing fruit was uh, food really wasn't an issue for Jesus, was it? During the 40 years Moses wandered with, with the Israelites around in the wilderness, God saw to it that their clothing and their sandals never wore out. 
You know, providing for these men wasn't an issue for Jesus. But seeing to all their physical needs while they were on the road could have been accomplished with a snap of his fingers. But that wouldn't have helped them become the disciples he would need them to be down the road when he was gone. It's like biblical tithing, giving your first 10% to God and then learning to budget your life on the 90% that's left. Tithers will love to tell you how much farther than the original 100%, that 90% miraculously stretches. Now what a blessing it turns out to be. People value things that cost them. You know, we heard just last week how Jesus told his would-be followers, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And now we hear Jesus telling his disciples to leave all their comforts behind on a mission trip. It's the same thing, isn't it? That was their buy-in, their lesson in trusting God to provide, that they would be cared for. And each town they visited, they were supposed to wait for someone to invite them to stay in their home, to give them food and shelter. And in each case, they were to offer that household God's peace, which is exactly what Christ's kingdom brings. Peace with God that results in this, this personal sense of, of peace, uh, the satisfaction that, that really surpasses uh, all human understanding. If there were no takers, no honest offers, they were simply to move on down the road, leaving a warning, and even the dust of that town in their wake. You know, studies have found, too, that lottery winners, uh, trust fund babies, and others who, who uh, get their money without having to work for it or having had to work for it experience lower satisfaction rates in life than people who had to earn their cash. They note other research that shows uh, lottery winners report no change in happiness as soon as a year down the road after their, after their winnings. It came too easily without sacrifice, without the benefit of buy-in. That's probably why God hasn't let you in. You thought all this time he was mad at you, didn't you? <laughs> no, not so. You know, many counseling centers do the same thing. They, they may charge on a sliding scale according to your ability to pay, but you'll seldom get free service. A free service has very little value, and it's not so much the, the amount of the charge that counts. It's the fact that it costs you something, that you have to, to buy into the help and the hope that it offers. Anything that comes uh, with a personal cost tends to be valued more. You know, we have to own it. Other words, I guess, other word, I guess you could say that Jesus is looking for owner-operators, not, not uh, customers in his church. The blessings of faith and freedom from bondage to sin came at a great price, though. Price Jesus paid, not for his sake, but for ours. Christ died for you. He humbled himself to step down from his throne in heaven and become one of us so that he might save us. He gave us the faith to believe in him so that his atonement on Calvary would take away all our sins and set us right with the God of all provision. You know, maybe you've never looked at it like this, but it really is an honor for you to be a part of making this all happen each week around here. And, and week after week, all during the year, year after year. And you're needed. And you're appreciated. Christ wants his followers to be involved because God will use everyone who is willing. Verse 2 is one of those verses people know that don't even go to church. The harvest is plentiful, he says, but the workers, the laborers are few. He's saying that there's going to be no end to the harvest until the day Jesus returns. The work will never end, but countless people will remain untouched by that work because countless people in so many congregations refuse to stand up and be counted. Did you hear how excited those 72 followers were when they returned? 
verse 17 says they returned with joy. They told him that even demons submitted when the name of Jesus was, was invoked. They were never used to wielding that kind of power, and, and their joy filled Jesus with joy. He tells them of a vision he had of Satan falling from heaven. He compares it to a lightning strike descending from the skies. It's a, it's a vision of the ultimate judgment of Satan and his demons. They were, these men were so joyful, he has to warn them about falling into the sin of pride by taking the credit themselves. You know, Satan thought he was pretty hot stuff too once, but Jesus was there when he fell from heaven the first time. And every time since, when someone comes to faith, he falls again. These men went out with nothing but the clothes on their backs, but they didn't return all worn out and frustrated. They were energized. They were excited about how they'd seen God work in the lives of others through them. In 1 John, the apostle claims that, that bearing witness to Jesus is what makes his joy complete. Could you say that? Will you be able to say that shortly before you meet him in person one day? You know, it's just one more joy that can be ours in Christ Jesus that so many people miss out on. If you've done it, then maybe you can. But Jesus wants us all to experience that kind of joy, a complete joy, uh, infectious viral joy that, that causes us to, others really to ask themselves wow what am I missing and they're drawn to you to ask you know Christian outreach is a funny thing it scares most people to death but it's really uh, not much more than being your own excited self and that experience has you know it enriched them in return now, Jesus told the 72 not to get all excited about the miracles they've been able to perform because that wasn't the most important joy they would experience as believers. He added, you want to really get excited about something? He said, get excited that your names are written in heaven. That's the bottom line of it all, isn't it? You know, if you've been baptized into the family of God in Christ Jesus, then your name is already written in heaven too. You have a future there and a home there already waiting for you someday. That's joy worth sharing. And it's a gift that's available to all people. And, and you're the invitation that has been sent to draw people to Christ who offers it freely. There's going to be lots of talk about freedom this weekend, and it deserves to be talked about and celebrated. But there's another freedom that wasn't earned with worldly battles and bullets. It was a freedom earned for us in a spiritual battle that was fought and won on a cross almost 2,000 years ago. So don't hold back. You know, be strong, be trusting, be viral. It's freeing. The greatest solution to the world's greatest need isn't a product to be sold. It's a gift to share. Amen. Now may that very special peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's take a moment to confess that saving faith this morning uh, as we do it together in the words of the Apostles' Creed today. You'll find it, I think, about page 8 in your bulletins. 